Welcome to the Solomon's Porch Podcast, the podcast from the worship experience of Solomon's Porch at Valdosta First United Methodist Church. We want you to be encouraged and inspired in your faith journey. So sit back and relax, unless you're driving or using heavy machinery, and enjoy. Every now and then I forget that, um, although most of you know me, every now and then we have somebody new in who thinks, so what the cat drag in this time? I'm Bob Moon. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and uh, I'm just uh, delighted to be here with you today. Uh, you know, I've got, uh, well, I see some out here in the early service, some pastor friends. And let me just say that uh, any pastor knows when you're trying to prepare a sermon, it's not like a speech. You know, you're not just trying to say something. You're trying to listen to God. Because the point of a sermon is that we come together to try to hear what God is saying to us. And so, you know, we're trying to listen for the word of the Lord. And sometimes it works great. You just sit down, you open up your Bible, and bam, it's there, and you think, hallelujah. And that's happened to most pastors twice. <laughs> and then there are some times, you know, you just sort of struggle on through, and I'm telling you, this week was one of those. I mean, we had the storm, and, you know, we've been talking about relationship goals. And so this week is about our relationship with just with our friends and with other people who are around us. And I was, I mean, I just dug into my Bible. I, you know, looked up all kinds of scriptures dealing with friendships. I looked at different kinds of friendships in the Bible. And I found lots of great stuff, but none of it was, you know, but I really was hearing that God said it's for us here today. So, uh, Saturday morning, I was heading out to help out with uh, the Parkers and the cleanup at, at their home, and while I was on the way, I heard from God. Now, let me just tell you, I don't like not hearing from God till Saturday morning, still less on Saturday evening. <laughs> I have one friend who said, a pastor who said, you know, I have prayed to God on Saturday evenings, and I've said, oh, Lord, speak to me. And he said he always has. And he's always said the same thing, just you should have started sooner. <laughs> anyway, but there's sometimes, you know, you're just waiting to hear. Well, I heard God uh, speak to me. And then when I got out there and, you know, we were going through all this stuff. Uh, in the front, by the way, uh, you know, it was not a, hey, bring a chainsaw and cut it up stuff. They had logging trucks. I think they had about 100 trees uh, and big old pine trees there, that then they all just disappeared. Anyway, um, when I was uh, on my way there, God just brought to me that marvelous story about the paralyzed guy who had four friends. Do you remember this one? And, and they picked him up and took him to Jesus. And God said, that's, that's what I want you to talk about because that's the picture that we want to live with we as the people of God, responding to God and responding to the needs of people who are around us. Okay, so um, uh, we're going to go to that particular passage. Uh, while we're on our way there, I want to just mention to you uh, that my wonderful pastor friend from the uh, uh, Methodist Church in Hahira, hey Hira, 
said, uh, said to me while we were out there, he, uh, he said, man, I see God all around, don't you? And he pointed at all the people. Now, what a great insight. We really did see God in people tangibly responding to the need. Now, just a, a quick word about, you know, not just the Parkers, but all around. Number one, they didn't have anything to give to the people who came to help, except debris and destruction. Um, second is that a lot of people who came to help didn't even know them. So why did they come? It's because Jesus in them cares about the needs of others. You don't have to know them to care about them. You understand what it means to be the people of God? And so God really was speaking to me through this story, and I want for us to go ahead and uh, take a look at it. So let's, let's look at this together. Now when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread that, uh, quickly that he was back home. Soon the horse, uh, the horse, <laughs> soon the house <laughs> where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Now, you know, there's a vivid picture for you. I mean, what if we were, you know, having our service here and all of a sudden we start hearing bang. We look up and somebody's ripping a hole in the roof. That's what was happening there. Well, then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, uh, what's he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins, which, by the way, is true. And <laughs> they just didn't recognize God was there. Well, Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your heart? Is it easier to say uh, to, to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat and walk? So, I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. And this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. What an incredible story of the power of God unleashed among the people of God when nobody expected it except, as far as we can tell, about four people. Now, for those of you who are with us for the first time, you're thinking, okay, so what's up with the chair and the couch? Uh, those of you who have been here, you know, we've been talking about relationship goals and across this is the, the last day of this series. We'll be starting a new series next week called I Heart. And we're hearting different things. But we said that there are two primary ways that God calls on us to love. The first, when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest command? He said, you'll love the Lord your God. That's this chair. When we start out 
trying to understand love, we start here. You can't go here, which is, you said, you know, yeah, not only love the Lord your God, but also love your neighbors, yourself, love everybody else. But you can't start here because you can't give away what you haven't got. So we start here getting our relationship right with God. Okay, don't miss that. We're going to come back to that again very strong. And by the way, I am going to, at the end of the service, give you a chance to respond in faith to this very thing. So we start in our relationship with God. And once we have the love of God in us, it's the most natural thing for the love of God to flow through us. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, so that's what this is about. And we've had this all during this month as a reminder to us that we get this seat set right, our relationship with God, and then we can get our other relationships right. And we've talked about our relationship with God the first week, our relationship between parents and children. And last week, you all weren't here to hear about uh, marriage, but we're going to come back to that. That's such a great subject, um, our, our closest, most intimate relationship. And you now we're talking about our relationship with our friends. And, you know, we've all heard those lame jokes about, yeah, I love the church, it's just the people I can't stand. You know, like, whatever. There is no church without people, right? And sometimes God has reminded me, you know, that other, other you know what I'm talking about when I say sometimes other people can be a, a trial to you. Well, God has reminded me, remember, Bob, you are somebody else's trial. Okay, good point there. So, just reminds us that we're all in this thing together. Now, I want us to take a look at this story together, and will you just stick with me? We're going to move through it fairly quickly. There are really four individuals or groups that are mentioned, and so this is what we're going to look at. First, we're going to look at the paralyzed man. Then the second is a group of people. We're going to look at the four um, friends, and then the third is Jesus, who is really the center of the story. Everything rotates around him. I mean, we got, you know, paralyzed man, the friends and all that, but it's all rotating around Jesus. So Jesus is at the very center. The fourth group is the grumpy people who are whining about Jesus, and we're not going to deal with them today, all right? We'll deal with them some other time. But I want to just take you uh, very quickly, but very thoughtfully through the story, and let's start off with the paralyzed man. There's some things we know about him and some things we don't. For instance, do we know how he was paralyzed? No, we have there's nothing in the story that tells us. We don't know. Uh, was it an accident? Is it a disease? Something happened? We don't know. So we don't know that. But we, there are some things we do know. As a paralyzed person, we do know he couldn't help himself. He was paralyzed. Furthermore, we know there wasn't anything he could do to help himself by, uh, or to thank the people who helped him. He couldn't say, well, I'll do this for you. He was paralyzed. He was helpless. Are you all getting that? The guy was helpless and couldn't do anything for himself. Here's something else we don't know. We don't know if he had faith in Jesus. We don't know if he'd heard about Jesus' healing and said, yeah, let's go. Let me just tell you why I, I you know, I'm not going to argue with anybody over this, but here's why I think he may not have had much faith himself because it says later in the story that Jesus looked at the four friends, you know, looking down over to the hole in the roof, and he sees their faith, and he says to the man, you know, your sins are forgiven. 
Well, many times Jesus says to people who come to him for healing, he sees their faith and he says, your faith has made you whole. He didn't. He saw the other guy's faith. So I, I don't know for sure, but it seems to me maybe this paralyzed guy, not only couldn't he do anything for himself, maybe he didn't even have faith. I mean, this guy was in a sad state and there just wasn't anything he could do about it. Second group is the four friends. Now, this is a great bunch. I would love to, and matter of fact, when I get to heaven, I want to look these guys up. I mean, you know, they must have been remarkable. What were their credentials? Here's the first one. They loved their friend. I'm telling you, none of the rest of this story would have happened if they didn't love their friend. You know, the question that we ought to be asking ourselves is how much do we love the people who are around us? Well, these guys love their We don't know how he got paralyzed. Furthermore, we've all been around, haven't we, people who've been through a crisis of some kind? And some of them are just, you know, they go through cheerfully and they're just trusting Jesus and they're happy. And some of them get mean. You know what I'm talking about? We don't know. Was this guy a happy guy? Was he mean, you know, spirited? What? I don't know. But here's what I do know. Those friends didn't give up on him. The problems didn't drive them away from their buddy. It, it brought them to him. And blessed indeed is every person who has friends that will come to them in the midst of difficulties. You know, we've got the old saying, a friend in need is a friend indeed. So these, that, uh, with this kind of friend. Now, something that we know about these guys is they couldn't heal him. If they could have, they'd have done it. They couldn't heal him, but here's what I love about them. They did what they could. Have you ever seen a problem that just seems so overwhelming, you think, well, I can't do everything, so I'm just not even gonna try? I mean, it's easy to get overwhelmed, isn't it? But you know what? You can do what you can do. And I love that about these four friends. They said, hey, we can do something. We can pick this guy up and we can tote him off. Tote. They probably didn't say that back then. But, you know, I got to thinking about how fortunate it was they had four friends and not three. <laughs> Somebody had been lugging more than their share. But, you know, you can just see these guys say, we're going to take him to Jesus. And they pick him up, they put him on a mat and roll up the side, and, you know, each of them grabs a corner, and they haul him off to go and see Jesus, the one who could heal him. And when they get there, they run into problems. And the problem is, all these people gathered around, they can't even get through. Now, here's a question. Why couldn't they get through to Jesus? Well, because everybody else said, I want Jesus. I want his touch. I want his healing. I want to hear what he's preaching. I want, I want, I want. But what I love about these four friends is they said, hey, this is what we want. It's not about us, but it's about our friend. Man, I'm telling you, there's something in the heart of people like that that is so passionate and so filled with the Spirit of God that it makes my heart just sing. Well, when they couldn't get through, they decided to be innovative, and they tore up a hole in the roof. Now, I'm not sure the guy whose home it was was all that appreciative of this particular thing, uh, but they did what needed to be done. They said, if we can't get through the door, we're coming through the roof, and they brought him to Jesus with faith. Now, I have, don't think I have ever heard anybody else talk about this, 
But I think that after the story, something else happened that the Bible doesn't tell us, but I'm 99.999% sure. And that is that those four guys, after the guy got up and picked up his bed and walked away, those four guys stayed around and fixed the roof. I mean, those are awesome friends. Everybody likes to do whatever, but nobody wants to stay for the cleanup. But I think these guys not just started in on the project, but they finished it. Now, third in the story, so we talk about the paralyzed man. He's completely helpless. We talk about the, the four friends who were motivated by love and who did what they could by bringing the man to Jesus. And now we talk about Jesus. Well, Jesus isn't sort of an extra in the story. He's the center of it. And here's the cool thing about Jesus. He put up with a lot of stuff in this story. For example, I, mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing the roofs back then were made out of you know sticks and mud and whatever they used. But when you tear that up, crud has got to fall down. I mean, would we feel pretty certain about that? And so I'm, you know, the Bible says that Jesus was preaching there and maybe he was healing people. I don't know. And this stuff's going on, and all of a sudden, and chunks maybe start falling down, debris, and Jesus put up with with the mess. Furthermore, Jesus put up with the interruption to his ministry that was going on. Why? Because Jesus was concerned about the person. And so when this man was let down in front of Jesus, he did not look on the man as an interruption or a problem, but he looked on the man as someone who was in need and he was going to meet that need. I mean, I just love that about the heart of Jesus. And there may be, I've, I've talked with people, and I wonder if there's somebody here who's saying, oh, well, I don't want to you know, talk to Jesus. I mean, I, no, he's got so many people that are more important than me and whine, blah, blah, blah. Listen, Jesus knows you by name, and you are not an interruption to Jesus. He is passionately in love with you and whatever your need he is ready to meet you and he is ready to meet you today gosh in a baptist church i'd have gotten an amen out of that all right so anyway uh just i I told you we weren't going to deal with the grouchy people but i'm telling you you're going to find grouchy people around you from time to time and if you're trying to do something for god Somebody's going to say, well, they're not doing it the way I like it. Well, listen, if you're doing what God's called you to do, just do it and don't worry about the grouches around you. Jesus met the man's spiritual needs. He forgave his sins. And Jesus met the man's physical needs. He ended up healing him from his paralysis. But I want to pick up this one thing before we circle back to the story because I want you to hear this. Now listen to me. The man, although Jesus saw their faith, the man was not fully healed and didn't receive that healing till he made an action of obedience to Jesus. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed and walk. And the guy could have just laid there and said, Well, I can't do that, I'm paralyzed, you know, poor me. But he got up, he acted, 
And I'm gonna ask you in just a few minutes when we come to the end of the message, I'm gonna ask you to take a step of faith. I'm gonna ask you to act on it. It's not enough for us to come here and say, well, you know, we all sat in church and that was really nice and wasn't the music awesome and, you know, that was a nice message and leave and not do anything. We want to act on this in faith. So let's go circle back to the story. And we need to notice this. You and I show up in this story in two places. First, we have not heard this passage. We have not heard the Bible. We have not read carefully. If we don't recognize this, you and I are the paralyzed man. Do we understand that? We cannot save ourselves. We cannot help ourselves. We cannot pick ourselves by our, up by our own bootstraps. We are not able to save ourselves. We are paralyzed. And what we cannot do for ourselves, God can do for us. So not until we recognize our helplessness and our need have we ever really heard the Bible. You know what so many of us do, and this is true of people outside the church, but hear me, this is true for so many of us in the church. We keep trying to earn God's favor. We keep trying to do all this stuff, and now maybe God will love me. I want, to, I want you to hear this. The gospel, the good news, is God loves you already. There is nothing you can do that will make him love you less, nothing you can do that will make him love you more. His love is beyond description. His love covers all our sin. You know, all of us really need somebody who will help us get to Jesus, don't we? Now, I'm, I'm about to say something that may be the most important thing I say to somebody here in our congregation. The first and best people to impact someone for Jesus Christ are parents. Moms and dads, I know you've got a host of different things that are important in your life. And they're, they need to be done. But I'm telling you, the most important thing you will ever do in your life is to help your children come to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, let me just say I recognize that your, your children have to make their own decision. You are not responsible. And some of you, I, I know your children have broken your heart and they're far from Jesus. Keep praying for them. But you ought to be constantly reaching out to your children. I don't... I don't know about the Aguero's. You all pretty happy about this girl standing up here and singing? You know, when we see that, every parent's heart thinks, thank you, Lord. And I, I know I have, I've had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home, and my parents were the, they're the reason I'm, I'm a Christian. But not all of you grew up in a home like that. I mean, we know that. Let me tell you, you can't do anything about your past, but you can sure do something about your future. While you're doing everything else that's important in your life, don't you dare forget the people God placed in your home first, and that's your children. I have a friend of mine, his name is Charles, big guy. I saw somebody once had a t-shirt said, large and in charge. I thought, I need to get one of those for Charles. Uh, he's a big old fella. And 
Charles, he asked for a transfer from his uh, city he was living in to where his grandchildren were living, and he said, this is his reason. It was a demotion, but he said, my children are not bringing up my grandchildren in the Christian faith. They are not setting an example for them, not taking them to church. I feel called by God to move back there so I can be a godly influence in my children's lives. I mean, how awesome is that? And I'm telling you, some of you when I'm talking about this, your heart's breaking because you're saying my home was a stinker. Nobody showed me the love of God. I'm telling you, that breaks God's heart and it breaks my heart. But I want you to know this. God can give you a new start and God can give you a new heart. So we lean on Him. So that's the first thing. We're all the paralyzed man. Here's the second thing. We can all be like the four friends. I mean, how cool is that? We can all be like the four friends. What are the requirements? You got to love people. You want to know something really crummy? I hate to even mention this. You know why a lot of us really don't reach out to people in the name of Jesus? We don't really care. Ugh. That's why we stop here. That's why we come to this chair and we say, God, I need to have your heart of love. I need you to change my heart and give me a heart that is passionate for the people who are around me. So the question is, will we be the kind of friends who don't let needs drive us from people, but draw us to those who are around us. You know, we don't have the ability to heal them, but we can take them to Jesus, can't we? Jesus is the one that can meet every need of their hearts, the need of their eternal souls, and the need of their uh, lives here on earth as well. I got a question. And there are a lot of interesting things that when you kind of think about a Bible story that you realize, hmm, the Bible's kind of given us bare bones on this one and we don't really have the details. Like, I wonder if the paralyzed guy went voluntarily or if they had to drag him kicking and screaming. I mean, you know, the guy may have been, I ah, don't leave, you know, there's nothing, you, you know, I'm going to go there and I'll be embarrassed and I don't want to be the center of attention. I don't know. But you know what? I'm glad, even if that was the case, that they dragged him there. I would rather that people be dragged by me kicking and screaming to Jesus but go to heaven than to leave them comfortable and at peace and they go to hell listen it's just that important and it may be that you are one of the four friends that God has put around somebody that cares for you you may be the most important one in their lives so let's bring the people to Jesus let's bring them to the church let's bring them to our small groups are you willing and this is a huge question church are you willing to be the four friends who will love somebody enough, care for them enough to help bring them to Jesus? If the answer to that is no, the question we need to ask is, have I really been to this chair at all? 
We need God's love in our hearts. And when we know God's love, it will transform the way that we think. Will you be the one who shares what Jesus has done in your life? Have you ever heard this one? This is a quote from somebody famous who's dead. I can't remember who it is, but it goes like this. Preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. St. Francis of Assisi, thank you. I, and he's not really dead. He's in heaven, but anyway. St. Francis of Assisi, thank you. So, <laughs> rescued me from my folly. And we get the point. I mean, what he's saying is live the life. But you all listen to me. You do have to use words. Don't use that St. Francis quote to get, well, all I have to do is just live such a pure life. And it's just people look at me and say, oh, I just want to come to Jesus. You know, it's just not going to work. What we're called on is to share our faith. Yes, live it out. Of course we have to do that. But we also have to tell people, it's because of Jesus at work in me that he is helping me to become a new friend. So, Let's be the kind of friends that will bring others to Jesus. What can we expect? Well, we can expect that Jesus will receive our friends, that Jesus will love our friends, and we can expect that Jesus will touch their lives and make them brand new again. If anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old things have gone, and the new has come. And brothers and sisters, that's what Jesus wants to do for you today. Remember, you and I are the paralyzed man. Jesus is asking for you, if you've never made a commitment to him, to make that commitment today. I mean, this is just a great opportunity. You can be transformed today. You can begin this journey with Jesus today. He loves you. He knows you by name, and he will meet the deepest needs of your heart. He knows your sins and loves you anyway. Don't we understand at the cross is where Jesus saw us at our worst and loved us the best. And Jesus is ready right now to take our sins. He's already died for them. He's paid for them. And in in place, he's ready to give us a brand new life. In my hands, no price I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Jesus is worth everything. Are you willing just to throw yourself on his grace? Well, if you are, Jesus is ready to receive you today by his power. So I'm going to ask you to do two things. Uh, We're going to have the musicians come on up here. And here's my invitation to you. You know, you've got your uh, connection cards. And I want you to be praying about this. I'm going to have a prayer for us. and then, But I want to ask you if you will respond in one of two ways. First, there are some of you here today, you haven't been listening to my voice, you've been listening to God's. And God has been calling you and saying, you know, you're the paralyzed person, but I want to heal you. I want to claim you as my own. I want to restore you to newness of life. And I want you to check in your, uh, on your connection card and say, I've made a commitment to Jesus today. And then for others... I'm going to ask you to do something. And don't just do this if you're saying, well, he told me to do it. I'm asking you, 
if you're willing to respond to Jesus, there's nothing to check on there. I want you to put on there the number four. And what you're saying is, God, you can count on me. I want to be like those four friends. I want to live in, with so much love for others that I'm going to reach out to them where their concerns are. And I know I can't save them, but I'm sure going to help try to bring them to Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to respond in one of those two ways as God leads you. But would you pray with me? Thanks for listening to the Solomon's Porch Podcast. We hope you heard some good practical news in this episode that you can apply to your life. If you'd like, we'd love for you to review our podcast on iTunes and share it with your friends. You can also support our ministry by going to theporchvaldosta.com slash give. Until next time, stay classy, listening friends. Mm-hmm.